Hello and welcome to Inchgale Podcast, the home of interesting people, history and good crack. Our podcast covers the stories of people of Irish heritage and is hosted by myself, Neve, and Sean. For those of you who may be new to the podcast, Inchgale is a Gaelic term and it means any story. The host selects the person or topic that we will be covering and we rotate the host each time. So sit back and enjoy the podcast. Hi guys, so today we're joined by Billy Hederman. Billy has written a book called Unbowed. It's a soldier's journey back from paralysis. So without further ado, we'll introduce Billy and let him tell his story. So hi, Billy. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, good, good. Hi, Billy. Thanks so much for coming on this morning. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Yeah, no dramas at all. No dramas at all. So Billy is joining us from Australia, where he's currently based with his family. Um, so yeah, Billy, I found out about your story, obviously through the book on Bowd. So just talk to us a little bit about how you came to write a book and what your story entails. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from uh, from Cork, and we came out to Australia. Myself and my uh, wife, we had only just married in May 2014 and we came out to Australia in October 14, 2014. So my background is that I had uh, done 13 years in the Irish Army straight out of straight out of school and then from that um, applied for um, and got a an overseas ladder transfer into the Australian Army. So j- joined directly so October 14 and then um, was a couple of months into pretty much our new life in Australia when on New Year's Eve day up so we traveled up the coast about an hour or an hour and a half up the coast in in the Sunshine Coast a place called Kings Beach on New Year's Eve day we went to the beach there um to pretty much chill out and um I had an accident pretty bad one um so in the surf when I was bodyboarding um a wave uh, dumped me onto a sandbar and I snapped my neck and uh, broke my neck, damaged my spinal cord and became uh, instantly paralyzed from that. Um, and that's probably the the start of um, the, the, the subsequent story that manifested itself about a year and a half or, or, or so later into the book in itself. All right. So I think your past experiences through your life and your time in the army from reading the book you talk about how they helped you in your fight alongside I think I quite like the chapter that you had in it called look that was quite Mm. interesting and then you had the element of family support and support from your friends and colleagues so obviously when you were growing up I think you were a bit like me you were mad into sports and quite competitive and talk to us about a little bit about the I think there was the look element I quite liked when you you were on that little island wasn't it and you you had to do a PE exam for UL <laughs> and then you were fifth on a waiting list for the officer cadetship and you managed to get in as well so what was yeah. it what was the kind yeah. of story behind that yeah it's like my sister seems to think that there is some sort of trade-off or balance in terms of and you know it's a, a good old Irish thing like you know pretty poxy you know like <laughs> either pox lucky or unlucky so um, I think sometimes that, like, you know, 
you know, people say you make your own luck or whatever, but some things that have just occurred throughout my life that you're like, you can't write it. And it, it just happened. So I suppose it, some of it in terms of because people would have said, so even to go back to, I suppose, part of the accident, a lot of people would have said like at the time of the accident, was I scared or was I very upset or distressed over it? But actually, in fact, the initial reaction that we had from that was actually one of um, relief that I was still alive. So like when, when, when I actually got injured, you know, once it kind of, once the realization was there about the seriousness of the injury that I was actually paralyzed from the neck down, um, actually our, our, our mind swung towards, well, weren't you exceptionally lucky that uh, you didn't drown there and then? Because although I was um, concussed, I wasn't unconscious. And yeah, like the, that, that in that particular element of the story, there has been, like I did kind of reflect back on a number of instances like that where there's just been some uh, real rub of the green look. And I mean, yeah, like the story, the story of being out in uh, on on Cape Clear and managing to get my way back, um, for like um a, a movement and ability test to subsequently get um offered a position, uh, in UL to do PE teaching, and you're right, I actually like wasn't accepted on first round from the army cadetship, and they just told me I was on a waiting list, so I actually thought I'd gotten neither. Um, PER and the army and then next thing uh, as it turned out five people turned down the army cadetship that year um, but that's not that would be unheard of wouldn't it that wouldn't normally happen yeah 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 exactly right so like you know I was literally uh, the last person accepted in and that was a particularly large cadet class I think we had 50 in our in our class so you know I, I and, and at, at the stage that it came back, it was almost like as if you had gotten your second round offer kind of stuff. But so second round offers came back and they had said, oh, yeah, you just about scraped it for PE. And then yeah. the letter came in with an official stamp on it and said, by the way, five people have not accepted the cadetship and you got it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is. Uh, what what I quite like it, about that story. Sorry to interrupt you. What I quite like about that story no. is it reminds me of the story of the Denmark football team in 1992. So obviously you were the last person accepted and you went on to do like fantastic things in the army, ended up, you know, getting into the special forces unit and that. So just because you were necessarily the last one in, you ended up, in my opinion, you know, becoming a fantastic soldier. And uh, I don't know if you remember the European championships in 1992 in, in soccer, Denmark didn't qualify, but Yugoslavia, because of the war, they got, um, removed from the tournament and Denmark got in and took their place and they ended up winning the whole tournament and they were like yeah complete outs- they ended up were complete outsiders yeah yeah fa- like yeah. That, that, that's a really good <laughs> that's a really good story <laughs> and I, I I like that Denmark story is a, is a really good one I like that I like yeah. that and yeah it, it it's like that some of the some of the serendipity because like I mean had that fifth person not turned that down I never would have gone down the line of subsequently, like, you know, basically like from the time I was, I was 18 years old, just turned 18, like a a, a lifetime in the military, all of that stuff, all of the deployments and all of the, like, I suppose, 
personal resilience gained from all of that kind of uh, experience, like life experience that I got, that then when this particular incident happened, that I could actually withdraw that from like, you know, the memory bank to assist me get through it, if you know what I mean. Like if that fifth person hadn't hadn't said no, then I never would have got all of that experience. And maybe like, I don't know, you know, maybe some of it is innate and some of it is, is through lived experience, but maybe I wouldn't have been able to get as, as far as I did in terms of my um, my recovery thereafter. I thought it was really interesting um, when you said there, the first thing you thought of was how lucky you were that you were still alive. And I don't know, obviously, as a nurse myself and nursing patients, maybe not with such sustained uh, injuries that you had and such significant injuries that you had, but it is a lot of it is about mindset and how these patients you can see people who have the positive mindset and want to get better will progress maybe a bit more than somebody who just unfortunately maybe didn't have those experiences or had previous bad experiences where they're like oh I can't do this I don't want to do this whereas you've kind of turned that whole thing on its head and you're like no I'm determined I'm gonna take from my previous experiences and throw everything at it like looking at your story and I was watching the video the video clip that's up on YouTube and I just I did get very emotional watching it I thought to myself you can see the determination in your face you can see that you weren't going to let this stop you you were convinced you'd convinced yourself that you were going to get better and it's Mm. amazing like what you were able to do and do you think do you attribute that to um obviously all of your time in the military if you had went on and did the PE teaching instead do you think you would have maybe had those learned behaviors that you were able to overcome certain things or it, it's funny how something shapes a human and kind of then obviously going towards how you can go on and go through that recovery period do you think that has helped you in that aspect of things yeah I mean it's it, like that's a great question because it's the and and it's something that is like I find very interesting so like the development of personal resilience and it's a key topic right it's a key topic across even now and and the challenges that people face around um covid-19 uh, you know and trying to get the, themselves strong and being able to bounce back and maybe when restrictions yeah. come back in place trying to trying to bounce back from that and and where does it come from does it come from like are you just a you know, just an innately uh, strong mentally individual or can it be taught or, and if it is, how is it done? Is it through lessons or like, is it through experience? And like, I Mm -hmm. definitely think that some of the military experiences that I had, like assisted me in, in, in my mindset for recovery. But in saying that, do I think that like people who weren't inverted commas lucky enough to experience uh, those kind of things um are yeah. they are they at a dis I, I don't know if they are i think like you know because you see you see some people like and it spinal cord injury is is an interesting one and sometimes it goes back to the luck issue because like you know the spinal cord cells they don't regenerate themselves so like mm-hmm. kind of what you the, the the severity of the injury once everything has slowed down and once rehabilitation um you've done you know a, a certain level like for instance had my spinal cord injury been a complete 
as opposed to an incomplete yes. spinal cord injury, in all likelihood, you know, I, I still would not be able to move anything below my my neck at this stage. So no matter how resilient or, 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 or determined I was to try and stand or something like that. So there's a uh, there's an aspect of that that's that's in balance. Yeah, there's a biological science behind the mentality of yeah. it too. You have to yes. obviously accept. Yeah. So, so what I tried to do was look at it like from the perspective of like, and, and I'm very conscious of saying this is like, I would not advocate at all that like, you know, just like strong mental uh, fitness will um, improve the likelihood of functionality for something like a spinal cord injury. Absolutely not. I think like it, the nature of the injury comes first, right? But I think that from my perspective, the gap between, and this is the way I always explain it, the gap between what I could get back and what I did get back. Well, that's that's the gap that I can target. That's the that's the bit that I can control. And one of the key lessons, mm-hmm. whether it be like the military stuff or just general stuff, and I, I put it in the um, in the in the, in the back kind of chapter, is one of the things like people say, oh, you know, like what would what advice would you give someone? And I, I, it's like the classic one, and even the poem that I had over my. Um, over my bed during the time of my recovery was basically like basically it's like um internal locus of control controlling what you can and and having yes, like yeah. the power to control what you can so I was like right I don't know how much or if any I'm going to get back in terms of functionality but I am not mm. going to say that like the amount that I get back that I could have got more but I didn't because I didn't try hard enough so like I'll just go flat okay. out on whatever I get I get but I can't yeah, leave yeah. anything on the table because of the amount of support that I got, because of everybody that helped me, everybody that texted, all the letters, all mm-hmm. the kind wishes. I feel like I'd be doing everybody a disservice if I didn't absolutely max it out to try and get the maximum return that I could have, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Obviously, your support system is also plays a huge part in your your mentality and being able to try and get yourself recovered. And uh, you did mention there, um, in so many words, is the setting goals and realistic goals. But it must mm. it must have been hard because you said yourself you didn't actually know what your functional ability was going to be like long term. But it was even just you're saying to yourself, I'm going to try and get this little bit each day and just keep going with it. I just think it's amazing. And you're a credit to, you know, everything that you've achieved. And it's uh, it's an incredible story, really. But yeah. Yeah. Like like um, the, the 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 goal setting thing is interesting because um, and again, I'd, I'd absolutely advocate if people said like what, you know, again, advice things, obviously, like goal setting is a good one. Right. Um and, you know, they say, oh, realistic ones are good and stuff like that. But there's also, uh, and it, it's a balance, right? It's a balance with everything, like, you know, between pushing too hard and being foolhardy or like uh, the mm-hmm. also the, the, the non-physical aspect of recovery being the feeling of being back towards yourself. Uh, you know what I mean? Like like doing something that you used to be able to do. So when um, yeah. we went into a goal setting meeting um about a month into um, my recovery, so I was still I was still in a wheelchair, had a halo brace, still you know uh, had no sexual bowel or bladder function, so I had a catheter in and the whole lot, and they wheeled me up to the first floor and sitting around in the circle was you know the, the consultant, the nurse, the uh, physio, the occupational therapist, the social worker, mm-hmm. the psych, the lot, right, the team that you have, yeah, um, assisting you, and and it's a, a patient goal setting meeting, and they talked through. 
um, you know, okay, you know, like your 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 and, and the normal patient ones would be like independent bowel function again. I'd like independent bladder function again, and then I said, you know, I would like um, you know, in 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 whatever it was three months time or whatever, I have a a, a very close friend of mine that that, that that supported me throughout. It's their wedding, and I'd love to be able to go to that and stand for that. So that's a goal. And they were like, yeah, yeah, nodding away. Mm-hmm. And then I turned around and you know I went. I went next level on them then. <laughs> so what I did is I, I had um I had a printout of um the in the, the physical test that's required for an infantry, which is a foot soldier, and an infantry soldier in the Australian Defence Forces. And the test is pre- it's pretty tricky. So the first part of that test is um uh, walking for uh, 15 kilometres with like 45 kilos on your back. Uh, in under, oh. I think it's 155 minutes. So you got to be moving pretty, like walking pretty quick, and it's bloody heavy, right? So um, I can't imagine that. I'm sitting <laughs> here like, oh my god, there is yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah. And you're working on what 45 kilos and all that. Uh, and and um, so and that was the first, like they do different parts, but that's the first part of the test. So I went from like, mm-hmm. listen look at the state of me. I, I, I can only look at all you guys at the out of the corner of my eye. And I said, right, like, you know, these are goals one, two, and three. But, like, goal 100 for me is, like, see that infantry physical, like, I'm technically, I'm an infantry officer. That's the standard that I want to get back to. And I remember the doc, like, I, I, I can still see his face. And I could tell, like, written behind his eyes was, like, expectation management expectation management he was like you know uh, come back come back to reality oh here, but look, look at look at the state of you right but but the point in, in all that is that goal setting like i would never have gotten close to that if i didn't set the standard to that right if i said i was happy or i was satisfied with just walking again then i probably would have been and the kind of mantra that i kept saying to myself was um like grateful, like super grateful because, you know, and and I'm sure you, you'd know, like even the amount of people, right, who ended up walking out of that spinal cord injury unit was minimal. So the fact that I got to do that, I was already way ahead of the bell curve, right? So like, yeah. I have to be grateful for that, 100% grateful, but am mm. I satisfied? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I needed to continuously chase down and chase down. And like, I used to, I used to do skydiving before, um, before and I was like, mm. right, well, like, Maybe that's a goal for me. And, uh, you know, sure enough, mm-hmm. a year post-injury, I decided to chuck myself out of a plane again. And, you know, Honestly, uh, yeah, as, I, as you do, you know, that's pretty normal. <laughs> I could just imagine I, you you in the bed in, in that state, like in a heist and you can't, you're, you're, you know, your bowels don't work and you're turning around going, I wonder when I can get back skydiving again. Yeah, honestly yeah. i i'm sitting yeah. here and i would i you couldn't you couldn't pay me enough money to do a skydive yeah, yeah. with yeah. all of my you know faculties there's no way i just you're you're on another level i just love i just love i just love the mentality and the goal setting it's just like yeah i can't really move my arms and legs but what, can i pass the infantry officers course and will i skydive probably i'm gonna try <laughs> oh that's well, yeah. amazing and, 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 and i was it was like look I, I don't know, right? I don't know, but like that's 
that's what I'd love to be able to get back doing. And like, you know, because mm-hmm. that drives other things like a, a feeling of self-worth. Right. So like after about eight months, so, you know, like after four and a half months, I got uh, released from the hospital. And in fairness, the Australian Defence Forces were superb. So the facilities that they had on base, a lot of it was due to guys previously coming back with pretty significant injuries. But we had like a, a hydrotherapy pool like a specific rehabilitation hydrotherapy pool on base that I had access to every day I had a zero gravity treadmill that I had access to like fantastic stuff so they enrolled me in their kind of rehabilitation program and I very like phased myself back into kind of like doing half days of work and stuff like that and and in fairness the infantry battalion that I was with at the time they were just superb they were you know it was a real balance between trying to get back to work but also kind of managing and and looking after me and by about August of that year I was back working full time and doing rehabilitation myself and I remember kind of like the feeling of self-worth was really manifested when it was around September I went back um, and went out onto an exercise where I managed to kind of re-qualify myself as one of the supervisors of a of a live fire like ranges when you know like they're shooting live ammunition and I was able to re-qualify wow, oh my, my God. But but like a lot of what you're doing is standing around and making sure other people are doing things safe. But the feeling of self-worth was like I was able to provide something back to army. Do you know, do you know? like I was. Yeah, I was, that's, I was a, that's just, a useful contribution as well. It's it's it's, it's actually exactly. something you, you're, you're he- you can see physically you're doing this job. And it's a job yeah. that only people that are qualified can do. It's not an easy run of the mill job. Yeah. And, and like just that feeling of self-worth, like I was contributing to something and then you know like i was like yes that's 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 another and i, I remember driving back down um and even because i had to bloody learn how to drive again and be reassessed but i was driving back down to um back down to brisbane and i just felt like like the self world i was like you know i'm I, i'm after getting myself back on the horse there i'm, I'm back contributing in some way to to the army to society you, you're feeling like you know you're you're contributing so i remember that was actually so it, it wasn't even the like the skydive and all the rest of it and, and doing the other stuff that was great but but that particular day actually was probably one of the most like like when people say when did you feel like you were back i think that was probably that was was probably the day it, it took me by the way just as a side note it took me about two two and a bit years to do that uh, infantry physical test but I managed to knock that one over as well. That was my, that uh, was going to be my next point. <laughs> I, remember you, I, I remember reading, you said that may have been one of the most emotional you've ever been after a task because you managed to pass it and I, I remember you reading that you just said, you just welled up, you just the release yeah. was probably just so much relief I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's like, you know, just so grateful, so happy, you know, like you set a goal, you chased it down, you know, people helped you and and, and you got it. And, you know, I wasn't really looking either for um, external kind of pats on the back or anything like that. It just felt internally to myself. It just felt so good that I was like, you know, like that thing is now, you know, I've, I've achieved something. I, I've managed to to do that and then of course the key is to not stop there right what's next on the list what can i get after next what can i do next that that can keep me progressing and moving forward yeah you don't like to be uh, you don't strike me as the type of chap that uh, likes to not have a challenge to aim for (laughs) 
Well, well, I tell you, a, a, a funny story was um, just before we left. Uh, so going back to 2014, just before we left Ireland, I remember sitting down and having um, having a few pints with my father, and we were kind of discussing before we were leaving the, you know, talking about immigration and all that kind of stuff. And I, uh, he was talking about uh, potential retirement, and I said to him, I said, um, you know, is there anything in particular that you'd like any challenges or any anything you'd like to like to do or anything like that? And he said, no, I'm pretty pretty content, pretty happy. And he said, what about yourself? And I said, yeah. You know what I was thinking? I said, I wouldn't mind doing one of those like ultra races or endurance races or one of those like, you know, multi-day ones. And he just shook his head. He was like, of course, of course you would. Right. Like, of course you would because you're mad. Right. So. <laughs> pa- Sounds pause- about right. Yeah, given yeah, everything. But, but, but pausing that conversation then, the like, I think it was the next time I faced to face him was when he was, you know, he he flew over, you know, obviously while I was still in ICU or whatever, you know, like I was pretty, pretty banged up in acute care. And I remember, you know, co- coming in to, to, to see me and we had that conversation. He was like, well, you know, like, and it was when you talked earlier um, about support, I think that was, that was really key to like both my wife and, and, and key people around the system kind of got me well enough that they knew the way, the way to play, to play me. And it was a case of, yeah. he said, hey, hey, remember you were talking about like, you know, doing like a really tough challenge or like, you know, like a, a really strong challenge. And he was like, this here, this is the challenge of your life. So like, you know, get after it, basically. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's your Everest. That was a, maybe a lifetime of you challenging yourself and pushing boundaries and limits and trying to achieve the ultimate as regards best physical and mental challenge that you can put yourself forward for that was all building up to this and like your like your dad said this was your everest this was your hardest task yeah yeah and i mean like i really wish it wasn't <laughs> i wish it had been like <laughs> i bet you like i bet you do i don't think like, anyone would <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i really wish it wasn't but but you're right it was it was and it was it was a good way to look at it and it meant then that like the if so support people like my dad, like 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 my wife and people like that. Um, they really went down the route of enablement as opposed to assistance, right? So as opposed to like, so even if it was a case of, and a lot of um, my challenges were actually around my hands. So the type of paralysis I had, so I was able to stand after after about a month, but central cord syndrome meant that my bottom half came back faster and stronger than my upper half so my um hand dexterity so i did an awful lot of occupational therapy work so for instance you know i'd be at my bed trying to untwist a um let's say like an eclair suite or something like that right and i'd drop it maybe seven eight nine times and each time just picking it up quietly and trying again and trying again but if somebody were to walk over and pick it up or unwrap it for me they would be very swiftly corrected by me and told to put it down you know using some expletives maybe because i didn't want assistance right what i needed was just the enablement yeah i felt like and 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 that was that was that was and i can only imagine how difficult it was for them to do that because if i were in the same situation supporting somebody like that all you want to do is help them all the time right 
And I remember even like subsequently my mom came over and she was trying to, there was one day like I was robotically trying to, um, uh, and she was like, oh, maybe you need to get in the chair because I wanted to walk from my my bed down to the dining room where they where they um, give the food out. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 I'm going to walk. And she's like, ah, oh. I said, like, no, just, just leave me be. I'll do it myself and I'll walk. And they were kind of some of the arguments that I'd have with people. Whereas like, listen, yeah, you want if to I fall, like, exactly. It's like, like enablement as opposed to, um, and, and I can only imagine like as mothers do, all they want to do is, is help as much as they can. And if it were me of in course, that situation yeah. and my part, and it was the other way around with my partner, I'd want to wrap them in cotton wool. I'd want to do everything for them. So I think it was really difficult for people. To, I, I I can only imagine. I, I would surmise it was probably challenging for them to deal with me because I'd be like, like, for instance, I told my, my father one morning when he came in, I said, right, Dad, tomorrow you're not coming in before 11. He said, why? And I said, because if you're here for breakfast, I might ask for your assistance to open the yogurt but I don't want you to be here. So one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to open the yogurt or I'm going to go hungry. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. That's, that's really pre-planned. You really were thinking yeah, about yeah, this yeah. In, in ways so that you weren't weren't going to be enabled by, how, um, yeah, he's, by people. He's sitting there going, right, tomorrow I might have to open this lid and, and, and unpackage this, and I wonder who's going to try help me. I better plan this or I don't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just, I, I, I just told him like, don't come in before eleven. You know what I mean? Because he'd be in, yeah. he'd be in at the crack of dawn, and even though he, do, you know, he'd be pottering around trying to help me or pick something up and saying, oh, do you need the towel for that? I said, geez, I'll get the towel myself. You know, and I yeah. might shuffle around the place and almost fall over, and he's like, oh god. Um, I know they I'd don't like, want to see you struggling, nah, but not. again, it's still, it's still you know your own self you were like no I have to do this so I'm sure they understood it probably took them a while to be like I just don't understand why you won't let me help yeah, but um, I can see him, but... I can see your mindset because you don't know how much how much better you can get so every little challenge you make your body do you're thinking this could help me down the line further so you just want to keep challenging yeah that's and that's that's exactly it it's like Whatever it was that you could do today, you're just going to try and do something, something else the next day and the next day and the next day. And uh, like, you know, the theory of marginal gains or whatever it is, um, you know, that, that, that's exactly what it was. Um, just trying to, trying to do all those, all those small things. I remember like afterwards, even, uh, I remember the day that my dad did come in then and he seen me, uh, yeah, like the, yogurt was bloody opened on the tray over in the far side and he was like oh my god that's amazing that's brilliant and I was like you know kind of fobbing it off I was like yeah whatever and he was like but it is like you need to stop and reflect like you know what's happening here this is fantastic but I was already after moving on to the next thing and maybe sometimes I was a little bit um a little bit flippant of some of those things and there was also times so another another I suppose good point was um sometimes listening to people's um like uh, some external advice so I had been pushing exceptionally hard on the physical recovery aspect of it I had even so even by the time I got uh, released from hospital I drafted up like a timetable for myself hour by hour I had it put on the fridge and all this kind of stuff and after about a week the kind of um, social worker that um, 
visit, does a home visit came out and she sat down with me and she said, how are you going? And so, so on, so on. And I was telling her and I thought I was killing it. So I thought, I thought, yeah, like at seven to eight, even though I'm watching Netflix, I'm doing this stuff with my hands. And I'm like, you know, I was trying to strengthen my hand back up. So I'd get the hurley and try and rotate it with my wrist for 15 minutes on this side and whatever, whatever. And she goes, yeah, yeah, that's all great. She's like, have you gone out for a drink yet with your wife? Do you know what I mean? And that was some yeah, of the stuff yeah. that, uh, that like, you know, at the time it was almost like singularly focused on stuff like that, but not, um, probably, not probably, uh, reflective enough to realize how much it had, um, affected and how much I needed to bring other people into this. So actually like spend time and like effort and, and be okay with that. And like, thanking the people who are so good and supporting me by just spending time with them by doing things and by actually chilling out a little bit as well yeah i can imagine like you, you you're so focused on yourself and your own recovery you're not trying to be like that but it's a very good point that you need to take stock and maybe see from the people that are close to you and and, and how it's affecting them because they're also fighting a challenge too Do you know it's, it's yeah. their battle as well Absolutely. And I don't know, like I, so myself and my wife, we have this chat sometimes. I don't know what I have fared as well if it was the other way around. Um, you know what I mean? Like being in it myself, I felt like, you know, I could, I could drive it, I could control it and I could do stuff like that. Whereas if it were the other way around, would I have been able to do that enabling thing? Because it's such a hard, hard thing to have done like the amount of emotional intelligence required and the difficulty of it and you know when you've seen your partner being going from this level to that level again and now they're progressing and you need to be understanding and kind of give them space but give them support and you know it's really tough so like people who support people who are going through that kind of thing um i hadn't probably realized it um up until around that time but like um it's exceptionally challenging and and because you're right they do go through it too. Like, like Rita, my wife, like she did find it exceptionally difficult. She did have to, like, we did have to talk it out afterwards because it was a very traumatic thing to have us both uh, gone through, you know? Yeah. Um, I actually, I'm touching on your point of the people that give support need support. Um, I was listening to a podcast about um, the Irish singer uh, and she started a charity. It's a support group for people that support people that have addictions. So the charities, the whole prem the premise of it is it talks and provides facilities and support for people that are dealing with someone that's suffering. So they're not focused on the actual individual, they're focused on the, the support group and the people around them because they, she realized they need a lot of support too. And it's, I think just think that's, that's a brilliant idea because like, like you said, and we were touching on, it affects them just nearly as much, if not as much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like again, I, 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 like I can only see it from, um, from, from our own particular perspective. But that's 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 exactly what occurred with us. And yeah, like, like I think, you know, uh, reflections on this, like externally, would be exactly that. Like the difficulties that support people go through. Like that yeah. is something that I I hadn't probably considered before. Um, Another consideration, obviously, that, you know, I just wouldn't have seen before was the challenges that wheelchair users in general have. Like it's it's 
it's really difficult and only you you know when you're being pushed around yourself out out in the big bad world that you realize how actually challenging it is um, yeah, I seen that know. myself on holiday there. Um, I was I was surfing on the beach, and I seen someone coming getting pushed along in a wheelchair, and they had these huge, big, inflatable kind of wheels on it to adapt to the sand. And it's just like mm. it got me thinking. I was like, actually, if someone was in a wheelchair, unless they had this type of thing, they they couldn't even go and enjoy the beach. It's like there's so many barriers for people with disabilities, and when you don't have to. Put that in your mindset you're oblivious to it but it really becomes apparent yeah. when you focus on it yeah yeah absolutely and again it's it's like and i'm exceptionally lucky that like i only had to experience it right for a number of months but there was a guy in the ward alongside me and you know he was paraplegic for 30 years and I, you know at times you know we had great conversations and at times i, I found it I found it amazing even how he was so at ease almost. Maybe it took him a while, but like with the situation and even at times I kind of had a bit of guilt in the back of my mind when I was like progressing or standing or whatever and he was seeing all this going down in front of him. Um, you know what I mean? It, him knowing that, that he was he was, um, he was was always going to be a wheelchair user, but the difficulties that he would face on a daily basis, like something as simple as so like, you know, just getting a taxi into so into one of the nice areas South Bank where we were going to go for uh, to the cinema, right? So we were going to try and do this. So I was still pretty bad shape, but we wanted to try and see. So they gave me a kind of a couple of hours pass to try and get to the cinema, and even trying to do that. Simple things like um, the footpath itself, or the like. Some of it was uneven surfaces or like a kind of gravelly as opposed to a, a, a flat concrete footpath. And it just like, like going over that with the wheels and it just like sending painful shocks straight up your backside. You know what I mean? Like, and it was just uh, like small things like that. And it's like people who do the, you know, like it is superb. Like the challenge is so challenging. Like, you know what I mean? Like people who, who do that to me like it just an appreciation beyond beyond to be honest with you after after that yeah um that's exactly it when we don't have to first first hand accounts of it you know you just you take everything for granted i suppose um mm. and is it true also that you from your, after your recovery did you do a 10k in less than 16 minutes is that true <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. not bad going <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a lot of those things were it was all kind of like part of the you know part of the uh process you know it was like chasing it down and you know the, I'm, I'm sure that in terms of like the uh you know the whatever they call it couch uh couch to 5k those kind of progressions i am sure that i did not follow like what the what a uh, general you know uh physical advice would be on this <laughs> yeah what the guidelines were i mean i like on the I think it was on the Monday, Monday I went on the running track inside in the army base and I did like, I think it was like 2K. And then the next day I did like 4K. And that that was literally the the furthest I had run ever, like post-injury. Like only a week or two before that I was running like 50 meters. So I said, ah, oh, there's a 10K on Saturday out in, uh, out in Redcliffe. You know, I said to Rita, I might sign up for that. And she's like, 
rolling her eyes up to heaven. She's like, oh, God, all right, okay, just, you know, be careful or whatever. Um, yeah, I just, like, went from, like, you know, two to four to ten. And then, but I think, uh, like, a lot of that was because I think I used to, again, run 10Ks back along. So it was, a, like, the feeling of accomplishment that there was something that, like, you used to be yeah. able to do that now. It's, it's now goal you were setting, back, isn't back it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, I, I like, it was nice to be able, like, I felt really good finishing that then and then saying, yeah, you know, like, at least mm-hmm. I could do that. There there have been occasions, so interestingly enough, there have been occasions whereby that can, sometimes that can work against you. So, for instance, you know, I used to be able to run 10Ks much quicker. Um, and yeah. I used to probably enjoy the flow of running. So I used to prefer you know, like like just running, kind of bobbing along and stuff like that. Whereas now, it is definitely a slog. You know, I, a, a bit yeah. of a waddle, kind of drag. You know, I feel like I'm yeah, dragging. Running's more fun bit. when you're fit. It's not fun at the start. <laughs> <laughs> the, the unfortunate thing then is like the the reflection back of the way you were against the way you are now. So whether it be like, mm-hmm. you know, like because there are clear metrics, right? You can't hide from them. Your time that you used to be able to run and the time that you do run are like the weight that you used to be able to lift and the yeah. weight that you lift now are the things that you used to be able to do, but really you, you can't now or whatever it is. So there's... But that thing, that can happen naturally too, as in like I even notice myself as you get that bit older your body takes longer to recover from things. You're not as sharp as you used to be. So although it's a slower progression, you do have everybody, no matter how strong and fit and tough they are, has to just uh, just allow the biological process. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to just give up and go, oh, well, I'm not going to run anymore because I'm old. But you do, as you do get older, you do, your limitations get you know, restricted and you do start to slow down. Your body does get that bit weaker. It's it's part of life. Yeah, yeah. I think like it's it's like that fine balance between um, like what's what's the limit or you know what I mean uh, mm. the, the limit between um, like what your max limit or acceptance of the max limit is um, for what you're at now and and also realizing that like you you know you you can't do like you will you will hurt yourself if you try to do that. Um, yeah. And there's a balance. It, like a couple of times I had that where um, I probably um, gave myself a little fright once or twice in recovery where I probably try, you know, trying to trying to find that balance where I was like, oh, no, no, don't do that, Billy. That's stupid. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's just you pushing yourself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's finding that balance between the two. It's 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 a bit of a challenging one because I I'd like definitely you know I I'd be a strong advocate of like getting after it and stuff like that. But like you know I'm trying to bring it as close as possible to that like max limit because like your perception of your max and your max are slightly different. So like bringing it as close as possible that you can. The four I'd read about this and and studied it myself before I read your book about the forty percent rule. I think it's the Navy SEALs mm. kind of. Are big mm. ones on that, and I completely agree with that. Your body, your mind will give out before your body every time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, but but of course, the flip side to that is like knowing that sweet spot between like pushing beyond the perception of that limit or actually, you know, hitting the max and and doing damage or doing something like that and. That's something uh, like I don't know. I think there's a real fine balance there between 
between the two for everybody to work out because you know while at one stage you you come away from whatever activity you're doing or or, or just general life challenge and you're like could i have pushed more there but then yeah. the flip side of it is that if you had pushed more would you have broken would you have failed would you have fallen over would it not have worked the way it did you know what i mean so it's a fine line between um, mm. stupidity and smartness. Like I've I've injured myself where I had a niggle and stuff, and I've pushed, and I I know I should have stopped, but I've you know blunt first like just I just wouldn't stop, and then I've, I've I've done damage, and you're kind of like that's not the smart thing to do in that situation. Sometimes you should listen and be like, yeah, we've gone too far here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had a. Uh... So I was talking to, uh, like, telling a story to uh, to a high-end uh, sports team, and uh, the coach at the end of it stood up and he was asking basically around that question, and it's such a difficult one, you know, because he had he had guys in the room who obviously were either in rehab or listening to their physios, and you know, I'm advocating pushing, you know, beyond mm. perceptions of limits and stuff, and he's like, yeah, but. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I damage. Saying, it's, 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 when the physio says, you know, do these exercises no more. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, look, I, I, I can't, I, I can't go against obviously, like, you know, your, your physios or whatever. But I think there's, and, and particularly if you were talking about like an elite environment where the expectation or kind of the general assumptions that the people that are in that environment would be self motivated to go towards that that side of the limit anyway um yeah. so so maybe maybe you need to manage down as opposed to manage up but i don't know it, it, like it's fascinating i could talk all, all all day about this kind of stuff i love reading yeah. about it and even reading about it from either um a sports psychology perspective or just general uh you know it could be like change management but it works yeah it works in high-end business so yeah it works in the army it works in sports and business it works in anything where there's a competitive type factor and it's it's relevant to a lot of areas that sports psychology and um, it can be used like i know military people tend to go on and be like risk management consultants and things like that and work in other areas because a lot of it ties in to many aspects of of work and personal life i think yeah yeah well yeah you're exactly right because that's what i do now <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it yeah so you um you you've, you've moved on from the army and and that's what you do and i i've you're not the first person i've come across that that's happened to because i think they they, they both tie in um quite nicely yeah uh, definitely do you find yourself now trying to return to some form of normality that, thankfully it's uh it's calmed down this side you know so uh we we've We've tried to relax a little bit, you know, like kind of a bit of normality, Netflix, and we've got two, we got two little girls um, under, well, a three, a three and a one-year-old now, so, so thankfully, like, oh, and again, that's, that's nice. Yeah, and like that's that's a, a like a thing in relation to like even the return to function and another part of the luck and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's great that we we have them to keep me on my toes, you know. Absolutely, they'll keep you busy if nothing else does. Yeah. <laughs> well, absolutely, they do. Yeah, another another challenge you now being the dad and the family man, I suppose. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, probably the toughest one, you know. Well, this is it. This is it. Listen, Billy, um, really appreciate you joining us. It was a uh, brilliant to hear your story, Amazing. and uh, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks very Thank much you. for having me. It's really appreciate great. it. Thanks so much for your time. Okay, take care, Billy. Bye. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Inchscale Podcasts. That's Inchscale spelled A-O-N-S-C-E-A-L Podcasts on Twitter to keep up to date with our newest podcasts and hope to see you all soon.